Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, all here with you again for this week's episode. A lot of good stuff to get into, guys. I mean, we're really getting into some juicy stuff going on around the NBA, um, some interesting storylines with the... Oh, hold on. My Atlanta guy is telling me John Collins, first-round pick, future first-round pick, all for John Luer. So uh, just my, my Atlanta guy is telling me it's like a done deal. My, uh, my Atlanta guy is telling me that you're no longer a Pistons podcaster. You're now a Hawks podcaster. We traded you for mm-hmm. uh, a, a new microphone for the podcast. So congratulations. That's what my Hawks guy is telling me. I don't have a Hawks guy because that's all nonsense. Well, well, my Hawks guy is saying that, yeah, Trey Young needed a podcaster to, like, jump on his bandwagon and hype him up more. So, you got the raw end of the deal, buddy. All right. This is not, now we've reached See, levels of cringe, we're just, cringeworthiness. We're just, we're just, we gotta stop. Brendan just ruined it. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't think it was a terrible beginning. And I had no Brendan problem with it. I just thought it was a joke between you two. And, and, and here I am, like, I've got it. no Hawks guy. Because just like on Twitter, it was nonsense. And it just made me angry on Twitter. And that's why I just held my tongue on Twitter. Well, it was, to me, it was just give absolutely. Give the rundown. Let's, let's give the rundown. It was absolutely hilarious. It's, you know, for those of you, most listeners here will know, but for those that don't, Blake Griffin on Twitter several days ago tweets out just the eyes emoji, or the two eyes are just kind of like big eye looking, you know, like what's going on, right? Symbolizing something, you know, big or dramatic. When is NBA about to players happen. do that, all speculation runs rampant. Whenever an NBA player tweets out an emoji or, or tweets out, you know, a sentence or phrase that could be turned into something like, oh, he wants a trade, he's getting traded, this is where he's signing in for agency. Well, NBA Twitter and NBA fans, they run with it. And Blake Griffin tweeted out the eye emoji, and I'll let you continue from there, Brian. Well, so Blake tweets this out, and everybody's like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Oh, my God. You know? And then, all of a sudden, Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks tweets out, crazy how quick things can change, dot, dot, dot. And then, all of a sudden, people on Twitter are just going bananas. And there's this one clown boy who's like a blogger for the New York Mets, the New York Jets, and the Brooklyn Nets, Okay. And he goes, my Atlanta Hawks guy is telling me it's like John Collins, somebody else for Blake Griffin. The the Hawks have been actively pursuing a number two guy for uh, for Trey Young, blah blah blah. And, and he's just hyping this up like his Hawks guy is telling him. He starts breaking down the trade. Maybe Reggie Jackson gets thrown into the mix. And, and this guy's just being a total effing idiot. 
Because, dude, you don't have a legit Hawks guy. Maybe your buddy that you're playing, like, PS4 with is, like, you know, a big Hawks fan. But you don't have a Hawks guy. No Hawks guy told you this. And it's all nonsense. So then, you know, the realistic people here are going, dude, nobody nobody of relevance has tweeted this out or made any reports that this is a legit storyline. And, um, you know, finally, the next day, Blake Griffin podcast comes out. He was um, on one of the Barstool podcasts. And the guys were joking around, and they go, hey, the night before this podcast drops, you should tweet out just the eyes emoji and stir the pot on Twitter. And Blake's like, dude, nobody's even going to care. That's bullshit. Blake knew everybody would care. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden, Pistons Twitter, uh, not even Pistons Twitter, just Twitter erupts. And uh, then they find out on the podcast that it was just all a prank. And, and I actually never heard of Trey Young, just that was a random tweet, or like if he just did that for fun to add to the mix. I never got that full scoop. Maybe, Aaron, you know, but um, that's kind of the gist. And people on Twitter, you know, and their Hawks guy just, uh, just throwing nonsense their way. It's funny how gullible people are. Everyone wants to make it a story when a player tweets something as simple as an emoji. You know, you, you you have this happen, and you have a bunch of different people, like, breaking down why this trade makes sense, you know, why the Hawks would be smart for trading Blake Griffin, why it's a good move for the Pistons. And it's like, guys, all Blake Griffin did was tweet out an emoji. It, it, it just shows how gullible people can be on Twitter. And I remember Ryan, Ryan texted in our group chat, and it's like, so, like, does this mean anything? No, it doesn't mean nothing. It was, I know we were all just like, yeah, it doesn't mean anything because you know we're not. I, I, no, I didn't ask if it meant anything. I asked your guy. I said you guys aren't falling for right. This, yeah, right? that's what he said. Yeah, like, let's, we're, let's, we're all not. Yeah, quote the guy properly. Let me. Right, let's, let's go back to the text. But in re, in retrospect, it's just hilarious. What's wrong with you, dude? Did your Hawks guy tell you to throw him under the bus? <laughs> it's just. It was so funny how everyone just jumped into. Oh, you know, I think John Collins and Kent Bazemore, you throw in a first-round pick, you get Trey Young, a guy to run the pick-and-roll with. It was funny how a, a, a simple emoji tweet sent all of NBA Twitter into just this rampant debate. And you know what? I think all of us did this. I know Ryan said he did it. We didn't say a word because we knew it was just nothing. We knew it was nothing. But that that comes to – that's a this is a commentary – on what the NBA and NBA Twitter honestly is. Mm-hmm. The NBA is so Hollywood, it's beyond Hollywood. And NBA Twitter is just I don't even I don't, I don't even know, like I don't even know the word for it. NBA Twitter can't even think when a player tweets something out. Right. I think but it that, all goes back to the banana boat thing. It it really does. And that's kind of a it's like a guys, it's a commentary on where the league is and where NBA Twitter is and just how much of a spectacle it's become. I'm going to take this one step further. This is a, a problem with just... This is a societal pro- a problem, you know? With all of society. This goes beyond the NBA. It's like... that the, the, the doom of Twitter. The doom of social media. You know? When, a, when one sentence on Twitter can literally rock the world. When somebody can put out a report or an opinion that comes off as fact 
and everybody can lose their mind to it. That is Twitter. That's what it is. And I'm not saying that anyone who kind of got, like, was on guard a little bit, kind of had the, the hairs on the back of their neck raise up a little and Blake tweeted that. I'm not saying they're stupid for having that reaction because, like he said on the Part of My Take podcast with those guys, that you and the NBA, you can tweet something out. Just the eye emojis are a simple sentence, and it could mean anything because that's how the NBA mm-hmm. is. So I get people like, oh, maybe something's going on. But after a while, when nothing was being substantiated by any of the national guys, any of the beat writers for either side, Detroit and Atlanta, anywhere else, nowhere, no reputable person ran with it. Just a bunch of fake, garbage, NBA rumors, Twitter, uh, ran, like, were the only ones reporting it. How did people not realize, all right, maybe this isn't something that's really happening. This is just people trying to make a name for themselves, trying to get some clout trying to get some followers. At that point, after, you know, 30, 40 minutes, nobody's saying anything. Nobody, except these wild, crazy, fake Twitter accounts. How do you not start coming back down to earth like, oh, okay, this is just all kind of a joke, or it doesn't mean anything involving basketball. Maybe Blake was doing something in Hollywood with his acting and stand-up comedy, or just something. Clearly, it had nothing to do with basketball after a while, and people still ran with it, believing these fake accounts. Listen, when, hey... At my Hawksky13 on PS4 Network is telling me while we're playing Fortnite, hey, yeah, John Collins to Detroit. You got to tweet that stuff out. Come on now. I guess so. I mean, I guess there's <laughs> enough people that will believe it and, and, and will give it enough eyes that, you know, it spreads and more people believe it. But it's, it, it, I mean, I just, that whole situation, that whole situation. It scenario, was hilarious. Only yes, for was. the next morning. When it came out, was the best. I literally I'm, was the best. But didn't we say that? Our, I think I think what we said was it was going to be the Blake of the Year for part of my take. We didn't say it was going to be a joke that they were doing, but we thought it was because he won Blake of the Year. Yeah, I I honestly thought this had some. I legitimately at first for like the first five seconds after I saw the tweet, I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, this is nothing to do. I know he's coming on part of my take. Maybe he's going to be something to do with Blake of the Year or something. I had a good like that's what I thought it had to do with. Yeah, and then. Uh, this turns out it was just a big joke. Well, and they got everyone. Well, that the they Hawk, did exactly what they said they were. They did do. exactly what they said they were going to do. People on Twitter were literally willing to stake their reputations as insiders and bloggers right. that this trade was absolutely going down. Only for Blake and the guys that part of my take to be like, "This was one big joke." Ha 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 ha. Meanwhile, my Hawks guy was telling me. Dude, they love Alan Crabb. Dude, they'd love to acquire another pick in this year's draft. That's what they're trying to do. Oh, ha, look at just what happened. Alan Crabb, the 17th overall pick in the 2020 lottery-protected first-round pick of the Brooklyn Nets, has been shipped to Atlanta for Torian Prince and a 2021 second-round pick. First of all, and Aaron, I know you have comments on this, but Torian Prince, that's a pretty steep price you paid to get him in a second-round pick. But I don't think it's all about acquiring Prince. I think the bigger picture is you free up some cap, you you, you open up another slot, you get yourself another first-round draft pick, which you could easily, that's where at 17, a guy like Cam Johnson sitting there, nice rotational piece. I know Stop, we talked he's about going to the, the Pistons. Pistons. Stop this. But you, know, you acquire that, 
Uh, nice rotational guy with maybe some some decent upside at 17. Um, and and you, you give yourself a little more flexibility to go out and maybe make a splash in free agency this year. Yeah, this is uh, it, it was the Brooklyn Nets doing what was necessary to create a second max cap slot so they can go after the big names in free agency. They already had one, but they have D'Angelo Russell, who's going to be a restricted free agent that's going to command near max money. But they're also linked to Kyrie Irving. They have interest in Kevin Durant, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler. I'm sure Chris Middleton's a guy of interest. The, the Nats want to go after the big names in free agency, and, and this trade only gave them uh, a, a greater pathway into being able yeah. to do so. Uh, and, and Torian Prince, not a bad player in any respect. He, he's going to have to get paid not this season, but I think next season is when his contract's up, and he'll be a restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. But averaged 13.5 points per game last season, shot 39% from the three-point line, four rebounds, works hard on the defensive end. I think he's a little bit inconsistent there, but he has the tools, and when he's locked in, he's a pretty good defender. Uh, and, and he gives the Nets an option now where they can have a cheap backup combo forward and they don't have to go pay a guy like Damari Carroll, who is an unrestricted free agent, spent the last few years in Brooklyn, was making nearly $15 million, though, this year, over $15 right. million this year. Obviously would have gotten a pay cut. Obviously that contract was an inflation contract. In the, I think it was the 2016 offseason with the Toronto Raptors. So he was obviously going to take a steep pay cut, but Prince is a cheap, cheaper guy, younger, and he may actually have a future in Brooklyn. Uh, but for mm-hmm. Atlanta, that's, you know, that's a good trade for them as well. And I, I wrote about this. It got published uh, last night on ClutchPoints.com, but I wrote about the trade, and it's really one of those win-win trades because the Hawks now, they get another couple picks to work with. Right. Alan Crabb is a nice stopgap wing where, obviously, the Hawks aren't in a position to win a lot of games right now. They're not a playoff contending team right now, but he's a guy that you can plug in, will fit alongside Trey Young as a spot-up shooter, another guy that Young can, you know, create for. Uh, and you know he's a guy that's going to knock down shots, so it's not a bad trade. You get those those picks if you're the Hawks as they continue to stockpile assets, and and they're a team that you know they have a lot of different pathways now after making that trade. Do they package a couple of those picks to move up? Do they package a couple of those picks to go after a star like an Anthony Davis or um, you know Bradley Beal, who I I think would be just an absolutely perfect fit next to Trey Young, or or do they actually use all three of those picks and do they really want to just take some shots at some guys in the first round and see if any of them hit because Torian <laughs> Prince for them Atlanta would probably didn't want to pay him the writing was on the wall that Prince really didn't wasn't going to have a, a much of a future there because the Hawks just didn't show all that much commitment to him uh and now they can just kind of take a couple shots if they really want to hold on to all these picks but they have six picks in this draft you know they have three in the first round and then they have three in the second round I just don't foresee them using all those picks it would be I don't think you'd ever. I don't think we've ever seen a team use six picks in a draft. Uh, so I think they'll, you know, probably try to move at least one of the first rounders, maybe the second rounders as well. There could be more happening there, but it's just a, it's just a way for Atlanta to continue to build up their assets as they rebuild. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you, and you look at it again from Brooklyn's perspective, you have that seventeenth pick. Could you get a nice rotation player? Gives you some depth. Maybe he's a guy that fits in in the back end of the rotation. Sure, but. You know, a guy like that that you can develop means a lot more to Atlanta. And now if you're Brooklyn, you can become a major player in the free agent market. And I mean they were exciting to watch in the in the playoffs this year, but guys, I mean, they are if, if they if they sign two max players and it's the right two max players, like damn, they are gonna be pretty darn good and fun to watch. 
Oh, I mean, that's that was the plan the whole time. You could see it. That's exactly where this trade's going. I know Kyrie Irving has eyes on Brooklyn, and Brooklyn has eyes on him. He's got those eyes emojis. Those eyes emojis are on him both ways. I know it. And then I guarantee Brooklyn's going to go after Jimmy Butler. So they bring in guys like Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler to go along with this team, and you've added Torrey and Prince to a team that has Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen. and It's just a solid, solid team. Where's my boy Spencer Dinwiddie going in all this? Well, I and that's a thing because I know that the, the Nets are reportedly open to keeping uh, D'Angelo Russell and bringing in Kyrie Irving and using both those guys in the backcourt, but then that really creates... You know, I know Dinwiddie's a six-man, he comes off the bench, but you're going to have both those guys playing 30-plus minutes a night and handling the ball so much. You would assume probably both of them would be on the floor. You know, one of them would be at the floor every every minute of the game. And Dinwiddie's a guy that's a fringe starter. I, I, I think that Dinwiddie's a starter-level point guard in the league. I thought he had a really good season. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've seen his projection. I, I've seen his growth throughout his career. That's a guy that should be in a starting lineup. And now if In you put Detroit? Him, well, yeah. But if you put him behind... D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving. There's just not there's just not enough room for him there. And you're gonna have Karis LeVert who handles ball handling duties. Uh, you know, there's just too many guys that are gonna take the ball away from Spencer Dinwiddie. That's a, I guess if the Nets were to do that, Dinwiddie becomes a trade candidate, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I I think Brooklyn's gonna end up doing something pretty important, something pretty big for their franchise this offseason. Having those two max slots and and they've built a, a really good culture there. They they made the playoffs, so they show that they're a competitive group. Karis LeVert looks like a, a, a star that they already have in, in grown. You know, it's not a guy that they have to go out and sign or trade for. That's a guy that they have that looks like he's going to be a star in the league. Jared Allen's going to be an all-defensive level a talent. He's a good center. They have some other nice complementary pieces in Rydon's Kuruks and, and Joe Harris. You get Torian Prince now. They get, a, you know, they get a Kyrie. They get a Kevin Durant. They get a Jimmy Butler. And then maybe, the, let, let's say they only get one of those big names, and then they have to re-sign D'Angelo Russell. Still, this team takes a pretty big step for, for a group that was competitive against the 76ers in the playoffs. i got to tell you, Ryan, I'll pose this to you. Aaron mentions that Brooklyn's done a good job building a culture, and they have. I mean, they've really turned around their franchise, right? That's 100% the reason to not sign Kyrie Irving, in my opinion. Kyrie Irving has never been a good culture guy. You know, in, in Cleveland, he wanted the breakup. Now he goes to Boston and it's kind of been, you know, it was kind of disastrous in Boston, you know. And I know last year, not even kind of, it was. It was like it was a mess, you know. I mean, they were an utter failure this year, an utter failure, in my opinion. Here's what I'll say to that because I agree with you. I agree that Kyrie is not one of the culture guys, especially when you've built up the type of culture Brooklyn has. That being said, he wanted to break up Cleveland because he wanted to be the leader and he wanted to be the man. And then he ends up in Boston, and that is the role he is in. He is their leader, he is the man, he's their star. Everything rests on his shoulders. And he clearly did not like that. He overestimated himself in that regard. So, if you bring, let's say they move on from D'Angelo Russell to bring in Kyrie Irving and either Kevin Durant or Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler or Kevin Durant can take the role of leader. Kyrie in terms of if it's Jimmy Butler, let's say, yeah, sure, Kyrie Irving's still gonna be the main scoring threat, but Jimmy Butler will be their leader. It won't be on Kyrie to be the ultimate. I'm the head of this, yeah. this snake. The vocal I am the leader, guy, the vocal leader. The guy in the Everything's locker, on me. Kyrie just wants to ball out, dude. He he's kind of like Trace McGrady in that fact. 
Tracy McGrady never wanted to be a leader. He just wanted to play basketball. Right. And I think Kyrie Irving thought he wanted to be the leader and the man, and then he went to Boston and was, and turns out that's not who I am. I just want a ball. I just want to play. So if they bring, if so, if the, Brooklyn decides to move on from D'Angelo Russell and bring in Kyrie Irving and then bring in a guy like Kevin Durant or Jimmy Butler, one of those two guys will be the face, the leader, and Kyrie Irving will just be there to ball out. So in a sense, I I totally agree with you that Kyrie Irving is a not what I would call a culture guy, but w- now he knows who he is. Yeah, he's grown in that so, matter. So then I think it brings the point of. You have to sign one of those other guys before you sign Kyrie. Oh, absolutely. I because, agree. I agree. Because if you sign Kyrie and it works out, you don't get one of those other guys. Big risk. Big, big risk, in my opinion. I think if you're Brooklyn, you prefer... Uh, I think you prioritize this way. Durant, Leonard, Butler. And then, honestly, to me, it's, it's almost a toss-up between Irving and, and D'Angelo Russell because... While Irving's the better player, like we just talked about, Kyrie just is not a good locker room guy. And that's a very young team in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You're right. And Kyrie had his issues with young players in Boston, right? He had his issues with Rozier and and Brown and Tatum uh, and those young guys that he said, you know, they, they thought they, you know, deserved more than they had earned. Uh, and. I just don't think that's a good fit. Here's the thing I'll say to that, because once again, I agree with you with what you're saying, but at the same time, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum came in to the league with lofty expectations that you guys are the next big superstars in this league. The young guys on Brooklyn, Levert, Dinwiddie, um, we'll say D'Angelo Russell right now, Jared Allen, none of those guys came into the league with those huge, high expectations expectations that everything should just be handed to me because I'm the man, I was drafted third overall, I was drafted second overall, whatever it is, you know, I deserve more than what I've earned. None of them have taken that approach because none of them had that. Karis LeVert was drafted late, D'Angelo Russell was pushed aside in Los Angeles, Jared Allen's Jared Allen, I mean, he's no big star, he was just saying, okay, he could be a decent big guy. There was nothing about that. You know what I mean? That it's different. It's, right. it's, it's different, different with those guys. Maybe those young These guys, guys are, are earning their way. Right. Whereas the guys in Boston, like we said, may, I mean, they're stuck. Like they're great players and everything. But they probably but felt, they entitled. felt entitled. These guys in Brooklyn don't feel that way, and I feel like Kyrie will take better to that. My case for for Russell over Irving, if you're Brooklyn, is that Russell has been in this system. He's been a guy that you've built around. You 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 built your team a little bit around that. And uh, you don't have to take the risk of Irving. You know there is the chance that he doesn't fit in the locker room, even though he is the better, a bit of a better player. But you know if you bring in uh, a Durant, a Butler, a Kawhi, even a Tobias Harris that helps take some of the pressure off of D'Angelo Russell, and you get Karis LeVert healthy for a full year, you know I get Russell struggled in the playoffs, and he's had his has his, has his issues of finishing at the rim, getting to the free throw line. That's still a guy that can score the ball, and you take a little bit of pressure off him. The defense can't just zone in on him; they have to worry about uh, you know one of those free agents and, and a full season of Karis LeVert, who I think is I think LeVert's better than Russell. I think LeVert's the, the guy for the Nets. I mean, I think it's going to be easier for Russell to continue to grow as a player. And he grew. You know, he's a, he's a guy that had a great season. You know, made it, made the All-Star game. Well, uh, I, I just, I, I think I would take Russell over Irving if I'm the Nets. Well, I think that's another thing we haven't even really 
acknowledged is that there's still going to be an affinity for D'Angelo Russell because he was part of the resurgence. And I'm not even fighting you on that because I, once again, agree with you. I would stick with D'Angelo Russell here. He's part of that culture. He's part of that team. He's a guy that team looks to. Yeah. He's in there. He's part of that. I, I don't disagree. To me, I think if you go back and you and you look through your priorities, because Russell's primarily playing the two for them, right? No, or is he one. playing the one? One. Okay, because I know he's been a combo guard. Yeah, they do some know. stuff with, with Dinwiddie and him on the floor, and but he's got. But they're playing him at the one. Yeah. So I think for me, if you go back, you prioritize this. You know, if you're the Nets, you probably don't get him, but I think you try hardest at Kawhi, because I think Kawhi's a game changer. I think you signed Dean. I think D'Angelo Russell's back. I'm not even counting him in this mix. I'm counting Russell back. Yeah, I think he's back too. And then, then, then you're saying Kyrie Irving's gone. So, I just I know they've talked yes. about. Things, so I, I don't think I'm saying together. I'm saying Irving's out of the mix, and you're probably not getting KD right. I'm focusing in on Kawhi and Butler, and I'm going all in on those two. Of course, you're meeting with KD. Of course. I think they have a better shot of getting, K- uh, getting KD. I, I'm sorry, I think Kawhi is out. I don't think Kawhi's going to Brooklyn at all. I don't, I don't either. I think Kawhi's either staying in Toronto or he's going home to LA. How do you, how do you not stay after going to the finals? I know. I know. How do you not stay? But, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about you have to. Who who wouldn't go in on Kawhi? I right. completely agree, but I don't think Brooklyn has any interest for him. I think they should be doing everything they can to get KD. I think there's there's at least interest that KD has in going to New York, whether it be the Knicks or Brooklyn. I think you throw everything you can. You threw and a, it's like, a big pitch for him, and then you focus on getting Russell back or getting another mid level, you know, second tier free agent. But you go and, and do everything you can to get Durant. And literally everything besides not playing in Madison Square Garden is like a better situation in Brooklyn. Oh, absolutely, everything. That's that's you the know. best that's the best free agency destination for any star in the league because that is a great culture and has a great young core. They have cap space to add not one but two max level players. So you're not going alone. You're either getting back an all star in Daniel Russell or the chance to get another star. So if you're Kevin Durant, you could get Kyrie to go with you there. You also could get a Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris. You're you you can have a very good team there, and you're playing in the East. You're not playing in the West, and now you can go rival a Toronto. Guys, just got a text. My Hawks guy is saying that we're actually Dude, all going to be stop dragging this. We're going to be Nets podcasters now. I everyone on, <laughs> everyone that follows me on MH Twitter knows that I'm like, like I like the Pistons and then the Nets. Like I, I'm just I've been on the Nets bandwagon for quite some time. So I wouldn't. It probably wouldn't even shock people. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> all I mean, right. sure. Go be a Nets guy, I guess. Yeah, just whatever. Lead us into the next. Don't topic. be a Pistons cool. guy. Jesus yeah, Christ, it's fine. It's not what I was saying. I, I wow. know. Wow, I know. Wow. Yeah. I know. God, nobody can take a joke anymore. I, know. I swear to God. No, no. Oh he my. Is, hold these guys. Aaron, I swear. Aaron, these guys Aaron, come in every Aaron. week. These guys come in every week, and they want to talk about like the, the, the like societal issues in the world. No one can take a joke. Who? When do we ever want to talk about that ever? Talking about Never. that gets people nowhere. Oh my! You're er, earlier, shit, earlier, dude. Earlier, what's like, wrong with is you? It's just a problem with society when we when we're talking about I like, didn't reacting. Bring that. You're dragging Twitter. me into that. I didn't bring oh, that. Look, I made two, a simple these factual two are over comment. Here talking about like the the society, the earth, the world, the people within it. I'm just trying to talk about NBA basketball. Hey, here. You know what this sounds like? You know what this sounds like? Some of us, Ryan, are born to be leaders. Others of us 
He just wants to podcast, dude. That's all. I just want to spit podcast game, bro. I don't oh want to be a leader. God. I just want to spit the podcast talk. Oh all right. God. So, according to The Athletic, the Pistons are in, potentially, on trading for J.R. Smith for cap relief. Aaron, what do you think? Okay, so we just went into the next topic. We're just going right into it. He's looking at you We're like LeBron it. looked at J.R. Smith. What are you doing? Yeah, as a captain, smooth like, transition. What the hell just happened? <laughs> we should we we should not be on the next topic right now. The clock's still going for the last topic, but uh, yeah. So the Pistons are interested in. in a well, this is a Pistons podcast, so I feel like maybe yeah, we should, we've, we've been on what like thirty minutes now, and it's been all nets. This is not a Nets podcast. This is a Pistons podcast. Oh, don't worry. Aaron was getting so a little anyway, sorry all my Nets people. Aaron was getting a little tingly about the Hawks earlier. Yeah, too. he was. But let's circle it around because this is actually a great topic to talk about and discuss and very interesting. Possibly trading for that JR contract to exit for the cap room. What do you think? Okay, so it, it's a slippery slope. And, you know, if the Pistons would have to give up some sort of asset to trade for JR. Uh, whether it's a first-round pick, whether it's a young player like uh, Bruce Brown or Kyrie Thomas. And that's where I just don't know how interested I am in the Pistons doing that. Because, yes, the cap room would be nice if they you know, could get that $11.5 million to save. But unless they're able to use that on a, on a Tobias Harris or on another you know, free agent that's going to really make a difference... It's just not all that much worth it to me to sacrifice a, a draft pick, a first-round draft pick, which would probably be the asking price. And, you know, the Pistons, you know, even if they get that $11.5 that really only gives them the money to, I guess, if there were to get, a, you know, a bigger-name free agent, then that's it. Like, they'd have to sign minimums to for a backup point guard, for a backup center, you know, for any other roster holes that they have. If they were to go out and get a really, you know, a solid-level starting wing, um... It's it, it's just I don't think it's worth it. For Bogdanovich. Oh my gosh! Every week now, every week. I, I mean, honestly, that's probably that. That probably would be who they. they I think that's with. who they would target. And right? is it? And is it? A, you want to give up the first round pick for for Bogdanovich? Is that worth it to you? Fifteen overall. Fifteen overall who? for for Bogdanovich, who's thirty years old. All right, and so you use and you're that locking window. in for probably three, four years. Three years. You're locked in. Three you're years locked in for Blake. the Blake Griffin deal. You're locked in with the Blake Griffin. But window. he's gonna. But Bogdanovich is gonna max out everything he can. He's gonna want four years at least. I don't know if he can sign five. I don't know if you. I, I might only be able to sign four. But he's gonna want four years of fifteen million dollars, seventeen right? million dollars. You're locked in on Blake for three more years, right? At this point, what's one more year? But does Bogdanovich even move the needle? I mean, at 30, he's going to start... I, I, You know, Bogdanovich is a guy that... Yeah, he had a career year this year, but... It's it's not... I just, it's not like he's going to get better. I feel like it's just more likely he regresses to the mean a little bit. Here, this is this is the problem with where the Pistons are at in general. There's no move that's going to make them legit. Like, there's very few moves that are going to move the needle. I'm sorry, have you... Did you did you even watch the Reggie Jackson highlights from yesterday or, oh. or two days ago? Did you even watch them? Did you oh, see what he was doing yeah. out there? Why do you even need to make a move? Yeah, you're right. Have you seen what he's doing? You know what? I God, I must have just missed it. I can't believe it. Maybe that'll move the needle. Like, wow. But but in all reality, I I don't know. Well, I, I know you like Bogdanovich. I know that's your guy and everything. But like, he's my guy. He's I, my I just guy. I'm just not. I, I, he's a good player. But I'm just I'm not all I'm not buying into it. Ryan, I think we can agree though. Unless if you trade a guy, like unless if. I don't know if Reggie is enough to pull off a move that moves the needle, but unless if you're trading one of Blake, Andre, or Reggie, 
there's no move the Pistons can make this offseason is going to move the needle. No, honestly, wrong? really nothing's going to move the needle. You're not wrong about that. I think I think if the Pistons were the one to pull off the J.R. Smith trade, I think that would have some people like, oh, there's cap room. People who aren't like really paying attention to situations right. like, oh, there's cap room now. What are the Pistons going to do? But then only realizing, hey... They'll pretty much max out on Bogdanovich. Like that's who their guy would be, and sure. everything else would be minimum moves. So unless if it's followed up with like an additional trade, to where Bradley Beal comes to Detroit. With, so <laughs> yeah, right. Are we putting like are we putting together the team we put up together like two weeks ago with Bradley Beal and Patrick, Patrick Beverly? Beverly. Yeah, who, who do we get? Like, your your hey, dream offseason. Like, I think that was more. Dream offseason. Was that more? Was that only two weeks ago? I feel like that was longer ago. I don't know. We've put together too many different teams for next year. A lot of them would probably only for be it old. to be. Uh, not a lot's going to happen for this team. Yeah, but I mean, all right. Which way do you want to go then? Because if you take the J.R. Smith trade and you sign Bogdanovich, let's say that's the guy they go and sign. Right. Your what's your opportunity cost? Your opportunity cost is. Trading for Mike Conley or trading for Drew Holiday, possibly. Is that what you're willing to do? Because that first round pick has to be there if you're going to trade for one of those two guys. Sure. Are you willing to give up those opportunities for this cap space? To me, yeah. I mean, like, Mike Conley doesn't move the needle for me. And I mean, Drew Holiday is good, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I like Bogdanovich better. The Pistons, no. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Pistons. Should not should not trade for J.R. Smith and sacrifice his first round pick because they need to let Brooklyn sign two max free agents and they need to save their money for, for next year when all their money comes off the books, when when Lure comes off the point. books, when Jackson comes off the books, when Galloway comes off the books, when Josh Smith comes off the books, Glenn Robinson comes off the books, and they can go throw the max contract at Karis Lever. Or, or, or go for a different different guy that they actually have the money for. You know, even if it locks him in for another three, four years to a guy that maybe, you know, comes isn't off the off the team until or off of his contract until after Blake's done with his contract. Even if it does that, they need to wait till they actually have the money to do it and don't have to one put themselves at, 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 at max cap again this year and sacrifice an asset when again, the guy, the guy they're going to end up with Bogdanovich just doesn't move the needle. It no, doesn't do enough. You're right. I'm in agreement with you. I was just posing the question about these different things. I'm of the opinion just hold on to the pick and just kind of sit tight this offseason. Because next year, they because have next year is when money. the money's there. And for some reason, if Drummond decided to opt out of his contract because he has a player option, the Pistons could have even more money to work with. I, I know. That's another, what, $28 million? But I'm all. I'm very much in the camp of sitting, just standing pat. The only thing kind I kind of letting it ride. Unless you go, unless you can put together a package that's getting you a Beal or right. getting you another that's star level player, then you. If you, you're doing you that, then okay. Don't go sign a guy for seventeen, eighteen million dollars. But you can't. I agree. I very much agree. Here's with that. My only counterpoint is we've talked about it before. The Pistons don't sign big free agents. Why are we banking on just having we're this not, money? We're not. Well, we're banking on the money because if they have the money, they can also make a trade too. You know, they, they, they can go after a free agent. And a guy like Carousel Vert, I think he's going to be really good. I don't know how the entire league feels about him. But if the Nets, you know, go out and sign a Durant, go out and sign a Butler, and they have D'Angelo Russell, they get Kyrie Irving, 
Maybe they want to save money to sign. Maybe they don't want to give out another max deal to Levert. They want to sign Torian Prince to a smaller scale contract. They want to save money from when Jared Allen becomes a restricted free agent. And they want to bring in a couple other different guys. And they don't want to spend money on a third max contract and spend a ton of luxury tax. Maybe Levert's a guy that's actually a reality. And, you know, maybe the, the Michigan route, you know, going to Michigan... Maybe, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much Levert's going to be valued in free agency. I think he might end up being a max contract guy. Maybe if the Nets get Durant or Butler and then bring back Russell and or Irving and Levert plays a smaller role, maybe he ends up not being getting the max contract value because he didn't that's, play a big enough if, role. If you're the Pistons, that's what you have that's to That's the best for. case scenario for Detroit. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a big Levert guy. I think, you know, they, they, they'd be better off chasing someone in, in the 2020 for agency year or trading for someone in the 2020 offseason. Timing, it's such a weird thing, and it's not been friendly to Detroit because, you know, Father Time is not on Blake Griffin's side, and yet we got to wait a whole other year before we can make a move to finally really help Blake. Well, the thing is, this, this upcoming season is still going to be important because it's still about getting to the playoffs. You know, that second half of the season, you kind of – saw what your three best players looked like together and it looked pretty good. You still need another big guy that's you know, no one I don't think anyone that knows a lot about the Pistons is gonna deny that. But this is still another year where those guys, you know, hopefully they continue to play well, build chemistry. You need you need to see what they do in the playoffs this year. If if, if they get swept again, do you you don't even maybe consider bringing back Ray Jackson, you hope Drummond opts out, whatever the case may be. But you still want to see this team kind of improve. You want to see what your young players do. What steps does Kennard take? Kyrie Thomas, Bruce Brown. How's the first-round pick look? Cam Johnson is who I'm saying because that's who it's going to be. And by the way, this this is the final podcast before the final podcast before the NBA draft. So I'm just letting everyone know right now, next week, that's going to be all NBA draft talk, assuming the Pistons don't make any other big move. But get really excited for that because I'm so excited to talk about the NBA draft. Kind of wanted to save like our, our our you know majority topics of the NBA draft for that specific show and make it a big podcast about the NBA draft for the Pistons for you know the the, the, the top teams in the in the draft and stuff like that. But that's gonna be a really fun week. But you know again, this isn't gonna be a year where the Pistons go out and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or anything like that. It's going to be another probably first-round exit. Maybe they're able to win a round if Jackson, you know, plays well and Griffin continues to, you know, have the season that he had last year or this year if you're still kind of talking and the NBA is going on right now. And then Drummond. How does Drummond do? How does Kennard do? The young guys do? Um, and see how they, they mesh together. I'm in agreement. I mean, dude, Ryan is just all over like what I'm saying right now. I'm feeling you. It. You know I'm feeling you on this. You know we've had this. I mean, sure, we bring up things and talk about things because it's the podcast and things come out. But you know what? We're, we've always been in the same camp of kind of just let it ride. You I just want to get a ro- I just want to get a drop of Ryan saying, again, I'm in agreement with you, Aaron. Well, seriously. I, I just know, love it. You I love know we're, we, are, we differ on certain things. But in general, just letting it ride. We're in the same camp on this. I mean, if Reggie Jackson's healthy, he's what's it's one year. We're not making any significant move. We're stuck. Blake, I'm sorry. Hell, if Blake, it, I'm sorry. Even like, if you don't want to re-sign Reggie and he's playing well, then you can trade him at the deadline for something. You can trade him at something. the deadline for something. You can go get like, a, a young player or you know, a draft pick. Uh, is something that you actually might want to use. Even if you don't like Jackson and you instead of spending money on a Kyrie Silver, 
you want to go out and you want to get a big point guard in free agency. And you want to let, you know, if you draft a wing in, in, in this year's draft and you have Luke Kennard on the wing, you want to let those guys along with Thomas and Brown just kind of round out your, your wings of the future. And you want to go spend big on whatever point guards are in the market. You know, if Jackson comes out and plays well, in all indications is that he's healthy, he's going to be better than he's been before, and, and his, his value should rise. I mean, even if... They they keep him this year and decide to trade him. They can get something for him, or you know you get his you keep him and let him walk in free agency. You get his, his sixteen million salary that you can work with to make trades or sign sign someone. You guys so cute, all the agreement on everything. It's adorable. It's adorable. I mean, great minds think alike. <laughs> I think it's just we're just common sense yeah, though. Like it's just honestly, I think it's com- you don't have a ton of cap room. Do you really want to lock yourself into Mike Conley? Do you really want to lock yourself into Bogdan Bogdanovich if you're able to pull off the J.R. Smith trade? Or do you want to let it ride for another year? Let If Drummond plays the way he did post-injury and Blake does Blake again and Luke takes the next step and if Reggie Jackson's healthy, he's going to be a better player. I, I mean, think it's crazy how much next season rides on Luke Kennard. Oh, next season like, is so important. Is it, like this is going to be this guy. It's going to have to be a, a a topic for towards next season. But like next season, it's kind of a breaker. Make it a break it year. For so here's 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 the thing. Here's the thing, right? Ryan, you and I both watch or watched Game of Thrones, and we talk about how certain episodes. It's like a table setter. Like you have to have it. You got to have a table setter. Okay, kind of felt like that's what this year was. There were some exciting moments, but it really was just setting the table. Now, all of a sudden, another full season of just table setting. I'm telling you, I mean, boys. I mean, I don't think it's... A, I'm just going to say this. If the Pistons, after next offseason, go into that third year, the year it's supposed to go down, the, like, the, you know, like... The finale. I'm telling you, if they don't like do something legit and make a real move and, and do something exciting, God, is it going to be just a major disappointment? I, I don't think next this this upcoming basketball season is going to be as much of a table setter as this one because you'll have Dre doing his thing, a, a, a positive and like growing Luke Kennard. Reggie Jackson will be healthy. Blake will be healthy. I think it's going to be a better team. What we presume. What we presume. What we know is factual for now. It will be a better team. And it will be a team that's able to maybe lure someone in in free agency because they're on the right track. Sure, maybe it only turns into a sixth or a fifth seed at at very best next year. At very best next year. Very best. Which... But you a know what? Seed is still realistic. It shows improvement, and you know what? They battle in the playoffs. It shows there's something there. Then there's money to be had, and it they'll shows have, a free they'll agent have that you a can... max contract space and more. Yes. So that's enough for me to say, play it out for another year. Because if you have the chance to go get a big name, then you have the chance to go get a big name. And it's like, how do you not take that opportunity? How do you not take that chance? Well. Thing is, if you lose all that money off the book, even if you got Bogdanovich this year, you wouldn't have max slot available. No, still next because year? you're paying him seventeen million a year. No, you don't have enough max. I, I mean, the Pistons are going to be barely at max cap space next year, so you know it, it, we'd have to do the math again. But I'm like they're right at like I think thirty four, thirty five million. 
So they 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 don't they couldn't finagle a way to bring in Bogdanovich and then have another max space unless Drummond were to opt out. Okay. Well, and I'm not a big enough. cap guy, but I mean that's how that's kind of like where I max out. So that's where you max out. Yeah. Aaron's not a max podcaster yet, though. <laughs> wow. You know what? I you're just a jerk, dude. Uh, this has been a pretty contentious pod. Oh, no. We've yeah. had contentious pods. This is more just kind of like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's been a couple little no, one-liners. Like it's, pretty, it's been pretty contentious, I feel like. I'm just, why? Why do you why do you pick on me like that? I'm just trying to pod. Yeah, Aaron's not I'm more just a trying to pod, He's bro. just trying to pod, bro. That's all he's trying to do. He's just trying to pod. Well, hopefully, you're just trying to, you know, keep encouraging your friends to listen to the podcast and keep those rates, reviews, subscribes going, all that good stuff. And hopefully you have an opportunity to keep watching these NBA finals as the Raptors have taken a 2-1 series lead. No clay, no KD in game three. Toronto went out, well, you better win this game or just pack up and go home. Call it. They get the job done. They win the ball game. Game four could be interesting, just depending who's healthy, who plays, who doesn't play, all that good stuff. Plus, Boogie Cousins in game two was a man. In game or game, yeah, in game two was a man. In game three, kind of drifted away a little bit. Yeah, well, Clay's expected to play in game four. KD's ruled out, so Warriors still shorthanded. It's another game where the Raptors ideally should should at least compete in. I think they're good enough to win it. They had to win Game Three. I mean, you're, you're missing Durant and Clay. You have no business losing that game if you're Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they went out and they they handled them and they played well and they were able to hold off a Curry who had a fantastic game in his own respect with 47, 8, and 7. But uh, you know Toronto's playing pretty well right now. I, I think they really have a shot to take a three-one lead here with KD still out. I think they have a shot to win the series with Katie still out. And I don't know if Katie's even going to come back. But, you know, it depends. Is, is Clay hobbled when he comes back or is he full strength? That'll play a role, too. But the way that Toronto's playing, you know, they. It, it's honestly been fun the way Toronto has played. And it's made it a series where, you know, Cleveland just didn't match up mm-hmm. last, last year with Golden State. I mean, I know it's my own conjecture at this point, but I don't think KD's coming back. I think we've seen the end of KD in a Warriors uniform. He's icing his Achilles. He's not icing his calf. He's icing his Achilles. He's still walking with a limp. He's done, dude. You're not coming back from that. So how does Clay return? How does Clay react from his injury? If he's healthy, I say the Warriors can still win it in probably seven. If he's not healthy... There is no reason why the Raptors shouldn't win this uh, series. The injury bug has destroyed Golden State. And they're not deep enough. And they're not deep enough at, if the injury bug kills them. Toronto is pretty pretty much healthy. Pretty much all there. Kawhi's battling his little bit, but it's not really hampering them. Other than that, they're good to go. I mean, you have to take advantage of this. A, compl- a depleted Golden State. No Kevin Durant, no Klay Thompson... No, I know it's Kevin Looney, but still Kevin Looney. He still plays a role for them. Gone. And if Clay's hurt and hobbling while he's out there, you have to put the dagger in the dynasty if you're Toronto. You have to, dude. I mean, that just a, that's a terrible look if you can't put that dagger in him. That's, Honestly, it, it's like it's it's like the Game of Thrones, and Kawhi puts the dagger in the Warriors dynasty, and everybody in Toronto just starts screaming, "The King of the North, 
The king of the north. The king of the I north. Mean, it has to, if if you have to take advantage of this injury bug. You have to. If you don't, if Kawhi put everything on the line and they still couldn't get it done with this injury bug to Golden State, I would bounce my ass right out of Toronto. If yeah. I was him. I would. And he gets sent to the wall in L.A. Sent to the wall in L.A. <laughs> for the Clippers. <laughs> sent to the wall. I mean, the wall. More like Toronto, kind of the wall than L.A. Seriously. L.A. is kind of like uh, King's Landing or Dorn, bro. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ryan, we got to do a Game of Thrones podcast one of these days. Maybe when the prequel comes out. Yeah. We'll talk about things. Ooh. Maybe when the prequel comes know. out. If you're listening to this and you'd like to hear some Ryan and I chatter on Game of Thrones, whether it's before the prequel, whatever. I don't think anyone wants to chatter on Game of Thrones anymore, bro. Well, Not that because it's ended, over, but because of the way it ended. Because of the way it ended. Even though I still have met some people that are okay with it. Don't oh, no. get you folks. There are people who are okay with it, don't but get the you vast folks. majority aren't. I'm one of those. Well, Toronto leads the NBA Finals Series two games to one. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, as Aaron mentioned. KD ruled out for Game 4. Clay Thompson expected to play. Does Kawhi put the dagger in the dynasty to be determined? Well, before you go, don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. You can follow Aaron at A. Johnson NBA. You can fo- follow Ryan at Ryan Pay. Myself at Media Brendan. Uh, we're on Instagram at Palace Pistons. Uh, and like I said earlier, you know the deal, right? Like, rate, review, subscribe to the pod, tell your friends. I'm not kidding. The numbers are growing. Like, we're doing good stuff. And hopefully we continue to provide you some good content. As always, if you, there's something you want to hear, something you want us to talk about, tell the boys. Let us know. We'd love to get into some more chatter that centers around topics that you want to hear about. With that being said, it's going to do it for this week's episode. The draft preview next week on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.